Uh, God is concerned with every detail of your life. It is true, and it's, an, it's a fact. Sometimes we don't feel like that. We see the, our, our, the details of our life and wonder, is God aware of these things? Does God see them? I just want you to know on the start, he sees all of them and more. And so my hope and prayer today is that we would see that as a good thing and that we would worship God in light of that. Um, so we got a lot to unpack today. But uh, the title of today's sermon is uh, Worship Over Worry. And so this kind of uh, is, we're still in Luke chapter 1. We're going to continue looking at uh, Mary's response to the fact that uh, uh, John the Baptist rejoiced in the womb, that uh, the, at hearing the voice of, of Mary, because Jesus is in the womb of Mary, and we're going to continue in this study in, in Luke chapter 1, uh, but I do want us to see that the goal of today is to how do we worship God in light of whatever our circumstance is, uh, and how do we choose worship over, let's say, worry, for example. And so if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hands. One of our ushers will bring you one. If you don't own one, this is our gift to you. Take it, keep it, read it. It's about Jesus. Um, and so I want us to see worship over worry. First off, before we, uh, I want us to understand that worship is not just singing. Worship is not just singing. Uh, worship, we can worship by singing. And I, I pray that when you do sing, especially as the gathered church, uh, we, you are worshiping. But worship comes from the heart. Worship is a, is a posture of the heart. It's a, it's a, a, our Christian worship is in direct correlation to where our heart is aimed towards. Is it, and, and so Christian worship, the heart of the Christian, is, is aimed towards God. And so the first thing I want to see today about Christian worship is it looks to God. That's the first thing that we must see is that if we're going to worship Jesus with our entire life, if we're going to worship Jesus in all our circumstances, in every situation, then our eyes and our, uh, the eyes of our hearts must be fixed upon God, the God who rules over our circumstance. And so he, he, he is the God who rules over not just our circumstance, but our situations, both good and bad. I need you to see this. Like, oftentimes you think about, oh, I got to worship God uh, in, in the bad times. Okay, that's how I'm, I'm downcast, I'm, I'm discouraged, things are bad, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to incline my heart and look up to God because things are going bad. But what about when things are going great? Like, where are you, are, you, is your, is your, are, you, are the eyes of your heart looking upward towards the God who made you and who's given you the blessing in the, in the season that you find yourself in? Are you going to worship him in, 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 in that season as well? See, Christian life is to be lived in constant worship of our great God and our great King. And so uh, what I want us to see is that Christian worship looks first to God. Whether it's, it's a good day or a bad day, our gaze, the gaze of the Christian must look upward towards the God who oversees all situations and circumstances, both good and bad. And so verse 46 of chapter 1 of Luke, Mary said, she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. See, from the depths of her being, Mary is looking upward to God. Like she, she's turning her attention to God. Looking upward, she's ma- she says she, it says she magnifies the Lord. It's, she's making much of God. She's putting God in His proper place. And so th- this word magnify, we can think about it in two different ways. One way is that if you have a magnifying glass and you look at, uh, say, an ant who's really small, in a magnifying glass, uh, the ant looks really large. This is typically what we do when it comes to our problems, our situations, and our circumstances. We take a magnifying glass, and the enemy will want you to do this, to take a mag- put a magnifying glass on your circumstance so that your circumstance becomes bigger than it really is. I'm not saying this to diminish your situation or circumstance. What I'm saying is he wants to inflate it in such a way that your 
circumstance, your problems are so big that they eclipse God. Or the good times in your life are so big, so great that they're greater than God, that you begin to worship God. Uh, your circumstance and your, your, the joy in your circumstance is not in God who rules over your circumstance, but the merely what you have. And so when you lose it, you become really discouraged. And then he magnifies that. That's, that's not what she's saying that she's doing to the Lord. She's not taking God and making him bigger than he really is. That is what we do with our circumstances. We magnify, and the enemy will tempt us to see our circumstances and situations in such a way that's bigger than um, God sees them because God is over them. And he should eclipse the, the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the, 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 uh, the, of whatever, the situation we're in, or even the great victories. Our worship should be pointed towards him. And so she, said, he, she says that my soul magnifies the Lord. What she is doing is she's putting God in his proper place. It's more like the magnification of, of something like a telescope that would look into the, the sky and take the, the moon or the stars, the something that is quite large and far off, and bring it into more focus so that we can get a better grasp of its reality. It doesn't take something that's small and makes it big. It takes something that's big and brings it into our sight so we can begin to wrap our mind around it, to comprehend it, to understand it. This is what she is doing. Her soul is making much of the Lord. Worship is, is not making much of God, exceeding his proper bounds, but ascribing the worth to do his name. God is bigger than any worship we could even bring. Like the, the be, on, our, on our best days and, our, and, and with the, the greatest gladness and heart full of worship in our heart, it still uh, pales in comparison to the glory that will be revealed when we see him face to face. Like it's better. He's bigger and better. And so she, she, she worships God with her soul and it says, that, that, and so I want you to know the soul is the sum total of who you are. This is the, 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 the essence of your immaterial being. The person whom you really are is a, is a soul. You're not merely a human. This is what C.S. Lewis would call, say that we're not mere mortals, not, meaning you won't just merely live and breathe your last, be going to a grave, but your soul will live on for eternity. And so that's why she said, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, at a soul level at a spiritual level at the sum total of her her being both physically and spiritually she worships ascribes worship magnifies the lord it says and so the first thing a christian must do is is turn upward look towards god your worship is god oriented we turn our eyes we turn our heart we turn our mind we turn our strength we turn everything towards him not our circumstance. So we look at our circumstance and we see the, the, the good days, the great victories, or even the, the difficulties that lie ahead. We see them, and then we look above them to the God who rules and reigns over them. And I'll tell you what, this is a fight. This is a fight. It's a fight to see God for who he is. If you've lived long enough on this life, you know, you believe this, and you know this at, at a real tangible level, that it's, it's a fight to not look at your circumstances and have your circumstance eclipse your view of God. Like, you can even know, like, no, I know the truth intellectually. I know it actually I've experientially, but I'm struggling in this moment to then experience the joy, the peace that surpasses all understanding that God provides. I'm trying to look at my, my eyes above my circumstances to God and worship, but all I can see is my circumstance and the difficulty in my life. And so it really is a fight and so the fight is to see God for tr who he truly is, not to make much of him in a way that, that is uh, not congruent or true, but actually to uh, see him rightly. 
And, and when we fight to see God rightly and we, and we actually obtain that, we see God more rightly, more like who he really is, the result is our spirits rejoice. When we see him rightly, that's, that's what I'm saying, the result will be rejoicing. And so it's a fight to be there. So you're somebody like, man, I know what's right. I know what God is. I know what his character is. I, I can see it. I can hear it. I, can, I know about it, but I'm struggling to, 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 to really gaze my eyes and look upon that. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Notice here she says next in verse 48 that she takes the posture of a servant, a humble servant. It says, for he has looked upon the humble state of his servant. I want you to see this. For those of you who are struggling, like you know what's true and you're, and you're trying to, to look to God and worship over your circumstance and you just, you're struggling and you're like, I need help. There, there's help. Praise be to God. The next verse she says, I'm, I'm, I'm a servant. I'm a humble servant. I'm not bigger than, I'm less than. I want you to see, when we look upward towards God, what do we find? God looking right back down. He's looking back towards us. He's not looking down on us in shame. He's looking towards us, his eyes fixed towards those who love him. And he, he's looking to help them mightily by his mighty right hand. He's just roaming through the earth, the, the psalmist tells us, just looking to mightily help those who are in need. And so the question is not, are you needy? The question is, do you recognize your neediness? Sometimes it takes you to see uh, your circumstance in such dire uh, misery and pain for you to actually tap out and say, you know what, I, I, I admit it, I'm not humble. Uh, I, I've just been humbled. I need help. Help me, Lord. Look upon your humble servant. And as you gaze up, you see him looking back towards you with kindness, with gentleness, awareness. See, he's not looking towards you in shame, but he's looking towards you because his eyes have always been fixed on you. Your eyes have not. It's we take our eyes off him. He's constantly looking towards us, constantly wielding life to work towards his glory and our good. He is at work all the time, and his, his heart and eyes are set towards us, his children. So we take the posture of a servant. He takes the posture of a savior. He is, we are in the humble position. He is in the power position. God is not too busy. I need you to know this. He's not too busy with other circumstances and situations. Some of you will think about this. You'll look around, you'll know some people in our church and go, man, they're dealing with a lot. I'm not dealing with as much. So maybe God, like, somewhere in your heart, you're going like, well, we need to pray for them more than we need to pray for me. Like, you fool. Like, you think God's that small? Like, he's, he's, he's not unaware of them. He's not unaware of you. He's like so aware, and he's like, man, I'm not busy, I'm not tired, I'm not exhausted, I'm not confused, I'm not worn out, I don't need a break, I can do this for eternity, and I'm glad to do that. So he looks upon Mary, and she says, man, he's looking upon me, a humble servant. Like what, what God is asking Mary to do, to be the mother of Jesus, to, to mother the Savior of the world is like an impossible task. Not only is she a virgin, can't really have a baby uh, uh, without, you know, help. And God's going to bless her. She's going to be conceived of the Holy Spirit, and that's a miracle. She's believing in, in the miraculous. And then she's like, all right, I don't know how that's going to happen. Um, I don't really need to be on the planning committee. I'll just be on the, you know, you know rece receiving end of that. And then also, I'm gonna how am I going to raise this kid? How am I going to raise this kid? He's going to be God? Seems a little difficult. Because I kind of don't really follow the law all perfectly. Like, I'm a sinner. I'm about to raise a child who's going to stay sinless. Like, her t you just think about this. The task that she has is pretty great. 
And so she sees likely her need, and she sees and she, she postures herself in the place of humility and, and, and says that God has looked upon me in my humble estate. Church, I need us to see that, that God looks upon us and we are in a humble state. Even if you like are you're killing it in life, you're compared to God, like you are in a humble state. And so worship puts our heart in the right spot. It says, God, you're on your throne and we are in a humble state. God, you're not too busy for me. You care about me. God, my problems aren't too big for you. You're way bigger than them. I'm posturing my heart to look upward and say, God, you're mighty. I'm in need. I need help. I'm your servant. Would you bend an ear to me? Would you bless me? Would you help me? Would you care for me? And the Christian, when he does that, or she does that, knows that God cares. He's active. He's watching. He's working. He's caring. He's moving. He's aware. He's at work. One of the reasons why I think we don't turn to God in bouts of, uh, uh, of discouragement um, or times of um, you know, trial is because I think that we're, it's simply put, like we're just not being humble. You're like, no, I am humble. Like I, everything's a mess. Like I'm, I'm, I'm humble. No, then, then, then oftentimes what happens when we are so discouraged, we put our heads down. I'm discouraged. Things aren't going well. I've failed. I have sinned. I have anxiety, I, things are, and we just keep our head down. You watch people, when they feel that way, what, they literally do that when they, they won't look at people in the eye. They'll, they'll literally cast their eyes down. That's what we call downcast, where it comes from. Like, this literally body posture is down. You're like, well, I am humble. Like, I'm down. I'm, I'm miserable and in, in, in need. No, what the, the humility does not put his head down. Humility lifts his eyes up to the God who rules over you. It says, says I'm in need. It confesses your neediness. It confesses your weakness. It confesses your need for strength. It confesses your lack of desire. It confesses your sin. It confesses your pain. It confesses your shortcomings. It confesses it all. It says, I am weak. I am needy. I'm vulnerable. If you don't help me, Lord, I will not be helped. If you don't show up, then I'm helpless. That is the posture of humility. And so you can be very proud and discouraged. You can be really successful and having a lot of blessing on your life and be very humble. The question is, where's your gaze? Where's your heart? Where's your worship? And so she, she continues and she uh, moves and she says uh, that from now on, it says generations, for behold, from now on, the last part of verse 48, for now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who has done this great thing for me, and holy is his name. From now on, she says, generations will call me blessed. What she's doing is look, seeing her circumstance, not through her own eyes or through the lens of the culture, but she's seeing her circumstance through the, through the lens of God. Oh, why do I say this? Well, let's think about Mary's circumstance. You're like, well, no, she's for sure going to be called blessed by generations because she's got the Savior in her womb. Yeah, you're right. But let's think about it. Real time. Right here, she, right now, Joseph doesn't even know she's pregnant. The guy she's engaged to doesn't yet know she's pregnant. Just get a picture here. Ever think that would be cause uh, hardship in a relationship? I don't know. Perhaps. Definitely would. So Mary's current circumstance is she's not just a teenager pregnant. She's engaged to a guy, and uh, he didn't get her pregnant. Just a little social, you know, relational drama there. Uh, additionally, 
she, we're going to find out later that uh, there's going to be a census, and she's going to have to then move her, following her fiancé uh, and soon-to-be husband to a place to be registered in the town of Bethlehem, and she, it's going to be time for her to deliver the baby, and guess what? She's not going to have, there's not going to be a place for her to deliver, no hospital, no place to go, so she's like, we're the cows, that's where we're going to birth this child. Like, what's coming up for her in her circumstances might not be called by blessed by generations at the moment. I want you to see. So whatever you're going through right now, God may call it blessed, and and it might be blessing to generations in the future, but right now, it looks like kind of a horse trough birth situation. looks kind of, you know, difficult. And so right now, this is the situation she finds herself in. Moreover, what's going to happen after the birth of Jesus, there's going to be a hit put out on his life by the government. The government's going to want to kill him. I just think about it. Did that sound like, oh, generations don't call me blessed? No, actually, the current generation calls me like cursed, and they want to kill my baby. Moreover, by, by the end of his life, Jesus' life, he is eventually going to be killed, uh, not only sold out by his own people, but then executed and murdered by the government, government, Roman government, and uh, Mary's going to be there. So Mary's life isn't void. This whole Jesus bearing the, 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 the Savior of the world isn't void of hardship. It's actually full of it. Now, it's full of great pleasure and joy and, and contentment and peace. And it's in everything that, that, that is awesome about it and blessed about it, it is absolutely that. But it's a fight to see it that way. And so what she is doing here is seeing her situation and circumstance through God's lens and not her own, not the world, not her family, not the, not the circumstances, not the small town of Nazareth, how they would view it. So she, she's in a, in a point where there's emotional, physical, uh, financial, uh, relational hardship that she's about to endure and currently enduring. Like just imagine, like, how am I going to tell Joseph this? What we're going to find out later is that when Joseph hears about it, he's like, i got to divorce her. And then the angel shows up. Like, that's where we're at. That's where we're going. But it's not there yet. She doesn't know, okay, uh, I'll just, God, will you just, maybe she's praying that. God, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how it's going to work out. I trust you. I, 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 I'm going to follow you. I'm going to obey you. I'm your humble servant. You got to get that same guy who came to talk to me to go get to Joseph. He needs an angel. Like, not to protect him, but, like, to tell, you, tell him that, like, this is legit. Right? And so her gaze is upward towards God, and therefore she sees her search, circumstance and situations in light of who God is and what he has done. And therefore she concludes in verse 49 that for he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. God has done this for me. He's given me this child. He's given me this circumstance. He's given me this situation. He's given me this trial. He's given me this life. He's given me this family. He's put me in the city. He's given me this calling. He's set apart for me for this task. All of these things God has sovereignly done, and it is good for me. He's done great things for me, and holy, set apart, other is his name. He is the best. He is the mightiest. He is altogether wonderful and awesome. That who is who my God is. I want you to see her response here. I want you to see this. I want you to see it because if you look at her circumstances and her situation through the lens of the world, it does not look like glory. It does not look like awesome. It looks like an unwanted pregnancy to a poor, impoverished girl that the government is going to put a hit out on her, on her son's life. That if she wanted to take it, they'd be totally cool with. That's what the situation is. No one's looking at her and going, blessed are you, Mother Mary. Right now, it doesn't look like that. 
but she sees her situation, her circumstance through a lens of worship, so she sees it how God sees it. Therefore, I want you to see what, what are you going through, good, bad, or other. Do you see your situation and circumstance through the lens of God, through the lens of the Scripture? Do you see your circumstances, your difficulties, your challenges, your emotional challenges, maybe your, your physical, financial challenges? Do you see them through the promises of God, through the Scriptures? Do you see how mighty God is? If you do, praise be to God. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And if you don't, the next point is for you. But you think from time to time it's all of us, right? Uh, the Christian worship, number two, Christian worship remembers the faithfulness of God. So if you're struggling to get there, you're struggling to get there. You're going, I, I, I know what's true. I'm trying to look upward towards you, God. I'm, I'm hearing this. My heart is changing. Well, what do I do after I look upward? Well, you look backward to remember the faithfulness of God. How has God been faithful in your life? Now, some of you, you may struggle that because of your circumstances, your situation, or your background and upbringing, you may be in a position, I've met people where you're in a position where I actually can't look back on my life and see God's goodness yet. Not that he's not been good. It's just you can't see it right now. Some of you just can't see it. You're like, man, well, I'm just becoming aware of this, this, and this that happened in my background. That means this person lied to me, this person lied to me. Like, it's my whole life a lie. And you're rethinking everything. And you're struggling going, I don't, I, how do I know if God was good at any point? Because I don't trust anyone or anything. If that's you, then take, a, take note of what she does. She doesn't look necessarily to her circumstance, but she looks back on God's promises that, that began with, with a man named Abraham. Uh, and she says it this way in verse 53. Um, and his mercy is for those who fear him. That means worship him from generation to generation. He has shown his strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the, filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. What she is doing is she's remembering the faithfulness of God towards his people in the past. If you're a Christian and this book as our family legacy and lineage. This is our history. You're like, there's some names I don't know. I know. Can't wait to get to heaven and figure that out. How did you say that? How do you say that name? Find out like Abraham is really something different. You're like, man, that was the one I thought I got. Right? And so it's what I like to say about like the, the book of Numbers. Like you read Numbers, you're like, man, this is all boring. No, dude, this is your family lineage changes it. This week I was actually looking at uh, a picture um, that my grandmother sent me of my now uh, 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 passed on, uh, on um, grandfather. It was him as a, like a little boy, a little boy. And uh, she wrote on the back. I couldn't read her handwriting. It was in cursive and a pen had faded. I'm looking at it going, man, I can't read any of this, but this is a cool picture. Like I just remember looking at it and just having not, not nostalgia because I was never there, but I'm like, this is like, this is awesome. This is my grandfather. Like, I felt like there was just this deep, not, not connection to him, but just this, this profound reality that I'm a part of a, a lineage of, 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 of this, this man. It's like, well, it was my relative, and I can show my kids, like, well, that, that's your great-grandfather that you never met. When we look at the, the, the patriarchs, what we're about to go through, when we look from generation to generation in the scriptures, I want you to see it like that. You're reading the stories and accounts of people who are your of your lineage, 
of faith. We go back to Abraham. Before that, we go back to Adam. But the point is, is the, that God's people began with this promise. The first generation was Abraham. He believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Therefore, he got saved through faith. Just like we are told in Romans how we come to salvation is through faith alone. God declares us righteous when we believe upon the person and work of Jesus. When we believe God, he counts us as righteous. This is how it began with Abraham. So when she's looking back and seeing the mercy God had on those who feared him or worshipped him from generation to generation, she's going back and she's thinking, oh God, you had faith, or sorry, you had favor with Abraham. He was not a Christian first off. He was not a Jew. He was nothing. He was a pagan. His dad was a, a pagan idolater. We see that in the book of Joshua, that, that he, he likely even sacrificed, uh, he was Babylonian. So whether it was child sacrifice or other sacrifice, he was just involved in the, the full pagan Babylonian world. And then that's what Abraham's background was. Then he became the first generation saved. God looked upon him, chose him, saved him, forgave him, redeemed him, bought him back, renamed him, promised blessing, and was faithful towards him. If you remember the story of Abraham, Abraham wasn't always faithful. He was actually unfaithful many times. There's a whole time where God said, hey, you're going to have a child through this woman, Sarah, your wife, kind of like how it should work. Have children with your wives. Man, that's how it's supposed to work. Well, Abraham was like, what about the side chick? Well, she worked too. The wife agreed like a fool. Like that was really bad. Just imagine this home life. And, and, and he had a child with another woman. And then the wife then got mad about it after she agreed to it. Abraham's trying to wash his hands clean. He is guilty. But it's just a mess. That was the first guy. That's the first link of the chain. That's the guy who believed and was counted to him as righteousness. That's the one who he, he, in all likes and purposes, almost screwed it up for, for, for God. But he can't do that because God is faithful. What she's doing is looking back and going, man, we have in our lineage guys like Abraham who fell short, who, who, who walked a different path that God had, had planned for them. And God reoriented him, straightened out his path. God was faithful with Abraham. He was therefore faithful with Isaac and then with Jacob, who then became the nation of Israel. What the, the, the only purpose or the only like person in this whole story that was faithful was was God Abraham Isaac and Jacob sinners like you and me then we get to Joseph and Joseph is 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 sold into Egyptian slavery by his brothers they just think about it she's talking we praise you God for your mercy from generation to generation Joseph was caught up in that generation like they put me in slavery I got abused in Egypt I got lied about in Egypt and God took that evil and we're told that he, he made it for good. And that through Joseph, then he became a blessing to all of, all of not just Egypt, but all of Israel were, was blessed because of God's faithfulness towards Joseph. Furthermore, Moses is, is, God raises up Moses to set his people free from Egyptian slavery. Then he had them into the Exodus, heading into the promised land that he had promised, the fulfillment coming through guys like Joshua. Then you get to the book of Judges, where then they mess it all up again. January 7th, we're starting the book of Judges. You're going to see it's just a story where there's no hero but God. Bunch of losers. Everyone. And this is our family. You're like, can you call them losers? Yes. It's like I have a great grandpa's. Like, that's what they are. 
And we have the faithfulness of God to work in their messiness, to then move to the kings, move through the prophets, move to Malachi, then move to the birth of Jesus, then to the book of Acts, the starting of the church, the generations and generations and generations and generations until we're here today. God is faithful. See, this is what the Christian worship looks like. It looks up towards God, and then it finds our strength, and not in our faithfulness, but in God's faithfulness. And we see that God's mercy extends in ways that, are, 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 that, that, that exceeds our sin. I say it all the time. God's mercy and grace is, there's more mercy and grace in Jesus than there is sin in us. And that's true. It's not just a statement. See, God isn't uh, afraid to expose mankind's dirty laundry. Like, like our family, like they, we get all our grievances aired out in the scriptures. Like, hey, Abraham, he was the patriarch. He's like the top dog, grandpa, the guy we look back to. Yes, yeah, so let's tell you all the ways he messed up. And then it's like, really? Like, I thought we we're like going to tell the good stories. Like, no, we'll tell the good stories, but the only good stories that are, exist are because like there's a good God in those stories. And so what we see here is that from generation to generation, God's mercy abounds. He is faithful. He is continually faithful. What mercy is, is, is receiving something we did not deserve. That's what it says. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Jesus, we're calling this generational faithfulness that God has had towards his people. And see, God, it's what I love about the Bible is God doesn't hide the sin of mankind. He exposes it. And then what he does is he then doesn't hide his mercy and grace either. He washes over it. Like he, when we read the scripture, you see how the great the sin of mankind is. Then you get to see the, the, the wave crashing over the sin of mankind. You're like, man, that sin looks real small compared to the mercy and grace of Jesus. Like I need you to see this. Sin is microscopic compared to the tsunami of God's mercy and grace towards you. Like, I'm not saying that sin is not a big deal. What I'm saying is compared to the mercy and grace of Jesus, it washes it away and blots it out as the, the scriptures say that God does and he remembers our sins no more. If you are in Christ, he has dealt with your sin, past, present, future, separated from you as far as the east is to the west. His mercy is magnificent. See, Christian worship remembers this recalls this and sees that it only happens because of the faithfulness of God. It recalls the pa- our past and looks towards the faithfulness of God and in remembrance and worship. And man, I needed this. This is what I, if, if this sermon was for anyone, it was for me this week. Because you can ask my wife, I was like, not, I was discouraged. I was the Debbie Downer, downcast. Like she's like trying to like encourage me. And I'm just like, just like, it was like, just not having encouragement. You ever been there where you're like, I'm just not going to be encouraged. I'm just going to be mad. I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be there. Like, it's, it's, a, it's not a great place to be. I'm not proud of it. But it's just this, this reality that I, and I'm preaching to. I'm like, man, I'm literally going to preach something different this week. Turn your eyes upward. Look, recall the faithfulness of God. So what we ended up doing is spending a night, we just recalled the faithfulness of God in certain circumstances that we're currently in that have been similar in the past. So we've seen God be faithful. We were strengthened. So what I want to do now is kind of unique, and as we get close to the end of the year, I want to look back on our year, 2023, as a church, like this church, most of you, 90% of you, were not here a year ago, much less back to 2017, which I want to take us back there for a moment. I want to take us back to 2017, give you a little church history at the well, but also with the lens of looking at the faithfulness of God. 
Because what I, I, wanna, I want you to see that we've been through tough seasons as a church, and we've done the very thing that we're uh, talking about today, doing, looking upward, worshiping God through the difficult circumstances, remembering the faithfulness of God. And so what I want to do is remember the faithfulness of God in our own church, in our own life, and what we've seen. Some of you were here in 2017. Some of you uh, weren't. Some of you have heard. But so in December 2017, I remember it, like we had lost everything. We had no music. Like that's how, that's where we were. We went from over 120 adults down to 40 humans, including ones in the womb. Like that was, there was nothing. There, we were hemorrhaging money and people. It was it was, I thought that Christmas was like, I was like, I get it, a blue Christmas. Like, that's where we're at. And so uh, we lost many people, mainly due to core theological issues um, and sal- regarding salvation mainly and uh, sex and, and some of those things that we're now seeing on the, in our cultural moment uh, we were dealing with all the way back in 2017. And so um, most of the people at that time who left, most, not all, most who left are no longer Christians or would uh, despise anything that we preach now, like they, and they do. Uh, just check our comments. They, they show up there. Uh, and, um, and anyway... We went five and a half months in that bleak, dark season. Five and a half months. No music. Like, we had no music. And you're like, why didn't you just, like, uh, you know, sing out of a hymnal? Well, because we were so discouraged, so depressed, so hemorrhaging everything that we needed God to show up. It wasn't about making Sunday work. We're like, we gotta, we gotta beg God to do something. And we weren't begging to keep going. We're just, God, you just gotta show up. If you wanna close this down, let us know. We wanna do it sooner rather than later. If you wanna take us home, Jesus, like, let us know that too, because uh, we'll fire up the engine. Like, we're ready to go. Uh, like, what are you doing, God? We just are trying to get plugged into what you want from us. And so we spent that season just begging God to just do what he was going to do. And so we ended up going five and a half months with no music. And what we did during that time was, um, in lieu of songs, I would come up or someone else would come up and say, hey, we're going to pray this, these prayer prompts in like three to five minute sections, just like the length of a song. We would say, we're praying for this. We pray for the city, pray for the government, pray for uh, just people, or we pray through the Lord's Prayer. We pray through different, we would just pray, 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 pray every single week. Every single week we would pray. And I would get up and preach. This is where I started preaching for an hour because I had to fill the time. And then, you know, we were like, we, we need an hour. And then, uh, then we would take communion, and then we would come back next week if anyone wanted to show up. Like, that's what it was. And then some of you who are here to this day, like, you showed up during that time. Just imagine being a guest where everyone's like, it's dark, everyone's eyes are closed, and it's silent. You walk in, you're like, is this a church? Like, aren't they like, joy to the Lord? Like, seems like... Melancholy Monday over here, like that's what it was. We were just like, dis- like we weren't discouraged. We were praying, we were praying, we were praying. And then if you, if obviously we're 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 out of that season, but that was that was a time in our in our church life. And so literally, we were doing what we what I'm just preaching is that we would look upward, begging God to do what only He could do, trusting Him over our circumstances. And in the days where we thought, you know what. I don't know if I can remember the faithfulness of God. We would appeal to his scriptures to remember the faithfulness of God through generation to generation to generation. And God blessed us, multiplied us, grew us all the way to this thing called two weeks to flatten the curve. And then we had to refigure everything out again. And that was actually not as bad. It's because we're like, we had been here before. Like we knew like, 
okay, uh, we had just moved to two services the Sunday prior to, like, the, everyone closed the church. And so we were going to hold out. We went all the way to the, I preached that, that first COVID sermon uh, in, in Crocs because, like, no one was there. And so we, we were like, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Ended up not ever being able to get back into that location. And we ended up having to move locations to reopen at 4 p.m. several months later. If you, some of you came at that point in time. We were in another location meeting at 4 p.m. Fast forward to December 2022. So last year at this time, things had also gotten a little dark for us. We, uh, uh, our relations with our landlord weren't the best. Um, we didn't know if, how long we would be there at that last location, and we kind of knew we needed to get out. And so we were looking for what God had for us in the future. Last December, we we're like, I don't really know how it's all going to turn out. That's really it. We were real honest with everyone. So those who were here knew this. Some, those of you who have come since April, you're like, this is all news to me. Yeah, this is where we were. And so last year at this exact Sunday, we had 75 people total. We averaged over double that, well over double that now. And so we didn't, like, uh, do anything different. You know, people are like, what did y'all do different? Like, nothing. Obey God. Preach his word. Follow his lead. What doors are open? walk through that door and so like i i I, there's nothing you like what did what happened god preserved his church he's the sole provider we just said we want to worship you we want to follow you in your word one ways no matter what so when it came to worship like we love music we love singing but like we don't have it so what do we do play the ipod because that's what was going on back then uh you want to play that no we, we need we need what do we need we need to plug into god we need prayer and it formed our church. Many people started coming. They're like, we love this church because all they do is pray. I'm like, thank you, but can we sing? And so now we're singing. We're rejoicing. God has been good. And so I want to share a little bit of what happened in this, this past year, 2023, that we're praising God for. 18 people were baptized. 18 people were baptized. This is awesome. We had eight child dedications. Why is that important? Because we don't just, you know, we don't just count numbers who are in groups and attendance. But we want what is God doing? That means eight uh, families decided that believe that their children are not just a blessing, but they want to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. We love that. Uh, additionally, we had six children born this last year. Six families who are like, "Hey, children are a blessing. We're going to bring them into the world." We're celebrating those. Moreover, we have now. I've 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 run the numbers a little bit. I think. At least six in the womb for next year. My prayers we double, so some of y'all need to get on the planning committee and get to work. <laughs> Whatever the seventh month is, July needs fulfilling. So do the math. August, you know, y'all know how to do that. Someone, you know, y'all pray about that. Talk to your spouse first, and um, and only your spouse. Don't be an Abraham, right? Uh, so. <laughs> We're not trying to fulfill it that bad. Uh, but yeah, we're looking to double the children. Like, I, I believe, like, this is awesome. I know some, and we've seen even in, in time here, I, I'm, I'm reminded of this now, that there have been people that are like, man, excited about children, but they're like, man, I can't have children. I've been trying to have a child, and I can't have a child. And we prayed over them, and they, they got pregnant. So if you were in here, and you're like, hey, I want to have a child, and I'm barren, and I can't, guess what? We believe in that. We believe that God can reverse some of those things, can bless the womb. You're like, hey, I want to get married so I can actually start having children. Let's pray about that. I, I, you're like, is my life going to be better because I'm married and have children? No, but if you want those things, we want to come alongside of you and pray with you for those things. And so that when we say numbers like this, like, hey, we had children, you'll know that, I mean, those are miracles. Those are blessings because they, they are. 
Additionally, we had five weddings, uh, and we had uh, over 12 individuals in uh, premarital counseling. There's some that are just finishing and about to get married in this next year. And so we had our first marriage class, uh, and, and those so additionally, we had, if, if you remember, uh, the, fir- well, the first Sunday of the year, we had 14 children, January 1st. We now have over 60 each week. Like it is like we, like if you've ever served back there, you're like, some of you are like, there's 60 kids. Like everyone who served back there goes like, there feels like 600 <laughs> kids. Only 60? Like, yeah, 60 plus. So we, that's what, that's what it looks like back there. Additionally, we have, um, 45, our average from community groups this whole year was about 45 uh, adults. Uh, we have 41 people right now in discipleship groups. We've seen 621 hours of, of t- watch time on our YouTube channel over, over all the, the, the content that's been put on there. We've seen Bible studies started overseas, individuals who are looking into some of that content that's being produced. And then we were able to record our first uh, uh, worship song, Christmas song, with our band, um, which, Lord willing, they'll be playing next week and you get to hear it live. But you can get that online. But I just want us to recap a little bit about what God has done this year. And I want you to know, if, you, if you've joined us in April, or which most of you have since April, you're like I, 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 like, I don't know what happened prior. Maybe you're here and you missed some gaps. Like, here's the, here's the information. God is faithful. God has been faithful over and over and over and over and over again. And so we're just celebrating the victories that God has, has brought to bear in our midst, and we're just witnesses to it. So that's what Christian worship does. It really is more of a witness thing than it is. A, it, and we look up towards God and look and gaze upon his glory. Then we remember his faithfulness. And then number three, the Christian worship labors forward now with a heart or with, with help, the help of God. Verse 54, and he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. So how did Israel accomplish all these things? When she looks back on the generational faithfulness of God, how did Israel accomplish any of this? The mercy and grace of God. When we look back on the past several years of, and the entire life of our church, we look back and we remember the faithfulness of God, the mercy of God, and then we labor forward now with his help. She says in verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring. So she remembers, she's recalling the grace and that's going to propel her forward. In verse 56, Mary reminded or remained with her, that is Elizabeth, for about three months, then she returned home. So Mary's about to re-enter life. She's been with Elizabeth for three months, baby in the womb. So she's maybe showing now, heading back home. She's going to be showing with a baby, and Joseph doesn't know she's pregnant yet. Just This is the scene. So she's going to head back, and she needs help from God. So she's recalled his faithfulness, and she ends this, this point here, and she says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. So she is recalling God's mercy, God's grace, God's faithfulness, and, and getting her strength from it to head back forward to labor with the help of God. The same helping hand of God that helped Israel will be the same helping hand of God that helps Mary. And this is worship. See, worship doesn't just sit and sing. Worship submits to God's word and it moves forward in God's power. And so, it's her faith that's going to propel her forward, her trust in God. Because what's next for Mary is, I got to go talk to Joseph, tell him I'm pregnant. I got to tell him I was conceived of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how I'm going to explain that. Maybe he gets an angel. I got to tell my parents. got to tell his parents. What about their friends? What about Nazareth? Everyone knows our business in the small town. What am I going to do with this? I'm going back. 
publicly show, like how, how is this all going to work out, God? She looks upwards to God who rules over her circumstance. She remembers his faithfulness. Now she presses forward with, with great hope and anticipation and joy and contentment and the faithfulness of God who has mercy, who helps his servant Israel, and he will help her. So this is, what, this is why we look upward, and this is why we remember the, the grace of God is so that we can move forward, not just sit, to move forward and press on whatever situation, whatever circumstance we're in with hope, with, with, with power of, from the Spirit of God, with holy ambition, excitement, zeal, and confidence, not in us, but confidence in God. You're like, whatever I'm going in, I don't really have a confidence in myself. Like, good, don't. Have confidence in God. Move forward with confidence in God who rules over your circumstance. You're like, well, I just got really blessed this year, and I'm having a really great year. Awesome. Move forward with confidence, not in yourself. You didn't make that happen. Move forward with confidence in God. Move move forward with confidence in God. He is the one who has helped you. He is the one who will sustain you. He is the one who will continue to help you. So what I want to do as we conclude this is I want you to see how we are trusting God for our church as we labor forward into this next year and hope that God would do what he's always done, because he will and he always has, to continue to help us and sustain us with his mighty hand. And so as you all know, the world around us is a bit confused about a lot of things, and uh, it's a little different and difficult. I say this because there's no current modern books that are really showcase how to do ministry in a current modern context. Like the books are going to be written by us. Like this generation, we are the generation that will then write how to navigate these times. Like we are living in the time. The, the best book that I've ever, that I can tell that kind of hits our, our modern times, the, the most accurate is the book of Acts. And it's not a new book. It's a really, 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 really old book. Like it's the book of Acts in the Bible that really showcases how to kind of navigate uh, non-Christian government ruling oppressing environments. And so with that being said, we want to help. God has blessed us and we want to continue to help and steward the blessings that God has given us. And we want to help uh, other, other churches, other leaders, other, other Christians navigate this unique cultural moment. And so we want to produce more, better, strategic content this next year. Um, and we want to do so online, on our, on our social media, but also YouTube, video content. We want to answer questions. We want to begin to be more strategic in equipping God's people with this medium and this this opportunity that God has given us. Moreover, we want to uh, produce actual uh, study content for books of the Bible. Our prayer is that every major sermon series that we can, uh, uh, we can produce a study guide that we can give away free PDF to the, anyone who wants it um, to help them study the book of the Bible that we're in. In addition to the sermons, a free study guide with commentary to go along with it. We have just written the one for judges. I just finished writing it. Uh, uh, Matt, one of our deacons, has done the editing, and it's been sent uh, for the final uh, printing and, and all that, cool, make it look cool. That's where it's at. It's in the cool stage. Uh, but the content is done. And so we're heading into the new year with great anticipation and hope as we, we, we open the book of Judges come January that God's going to use that. But we want to produce more content like that to help you know God's word and help others know God's word. Uh, moreover, we want to we write music to go alongside with what God is doing uh, that, that can put songs that are rich in theology and that point to the person and work of Jesus in the ears of God's people and then help equip other people to continue to do the same. And so we want to we write more music produce more music, record more music for the church. So we hope to do that more this next year. And then whatever other opportunity God gives us, we just want to steward that. 
Additionally, uh, we want to help other pastors and churches locally. Uh, if you didn't know this, uh, church closure is on the rise and pastor b- burnout is on the rise in our nation. You can understand why it might be so, but we want to uh, put steel in the backbone of some of the local pastors and we want to really take active steps, which we're already doing, towards establishing a true biblical brotherhood uh, and help pastors navigate this cultural moment. Like We're looking to do that this year. Not because we've done anything great, but because God has been faithful to us, and we just want to share that, help that, and help others. Um, additionally, we hope to start an internal uh, pastoral residency program with our goal to have one pastoral resident in play by this time next year. And so what do we need in order to make that happen? We need God's help. We need God's help. We've recalled the faithfulness of God. We see where he's taking us. All right, God, moving forward, we're going to move forward with the help and strength that you have given uh, your servant Israel, and you've given them great mercy and grace. Will you continue to extend great mercy and grace and faithfulness towards us? And if we're holding these things open-handed. We totally are. But this is, I want you to see how we as a church are laboring forward with the help of God. What situation, what circumstance are you in that you need to labor forward with the help of God? Going, hey, you need to make a plan. You're, you're in a financial bind. Make a plan, trust God, and get some counsel and work your way out of it. it. Not by your strength, but by God's strength. You're in a difficult relationship. Maybe you and your, your spouse and your marriage are at a difficult point, and it things, your situation seems bleak and glim. Well, okay, go to the Lord, look up to him, remember his faithfulness, and then march forward with the plan that, that God would work, walk, walk alongside of you for help and flourishing so that your, your relationship a year from now can be different than it is currently. What is it that a year from now you want to look back and go, look, all that God did? So for us as a church, our prayer is not that we would, no one would ever look at us and go, look what the well did. They may say it, but I need you to see. Everything that we've talked about up to this point, we're like, man, we can't take credit for any of this. And that's how we like it. We want it to be like, wow, that was cool. Yeah, I know. We think so too. Like, God showed up. God showed up. And so in that, as we end the year, many of you know we are uh, looking to, to, we have some needs. And so I mentioned them before, but I want to mention them again as we head into the new year. Uh, we have some needs. We have some budget needs, and then we have some, uh, the end of year Christmas giving, uh, giving campaign that we're doing. So the budget needs is really to help cover the cost of, of inflation. We need, and this is true, $7,000 increase uh, of, of monthly support towards the church. That's what we need. We need $7,000 more. And so until then, we are on a tight budget. We really are. We're making, we're, we're not, we've closed some things that we're not doing. We're doing some, we're doing the bare minimum that we can do in certain areas in order to, to not outpunch our weight class. We aren't overspending. We're underspending. We are saving. We're, we're being good stewards. But in order to really open our budget back up to do the things that that we were able to do, like the type of stuff of like, hey, when something breaks, like, hey, we know we can go fix it. We're not there right now. We're, we're very much not there. Like, like I, that's a whole other story. Uh, uh, we, we just, we're, we're getting there. God is being faithful. I'm just giving you an update. Moreover, we're looking to raise $35,000 above and beyond a regular tithes and offerings through a Jesus Reigns giving campaign in order to help give us the push we need to go ahead and start these uh, endeavors that we're doing, like, like publishing this book, uh, getting those things out and working. Making, we've already you know, done the, the music. We're, we're looking to continue to do those things moving forward. We need to know that we have a little bit of cushion to make that push to do so. And so what am I asking of you? First, what I'm, I'm asking you to do is, one, see that we need God's help. I'm not sitting here looking, I need your help. I need God's help. God's a little, 
He has, he owns more money than you. Just know, sh- sh- I, I, I know that. Like he owns it all. Like we're asking for God's help, his provision. So what I'm inviting you to do is actually go look at these and go, these are our needs as a church. How that, that what, what Pastor Al just shared is not just what they, the church staff or elders, they want to lead forward in the new year and accomplish some things. No, no, this is just like we look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and go, no, that's part of our family. No, this is part of our mission together. And so what I just want you to do is actually pray that God would provide. Like, I think we, like, I would be, if we got zero dollars, we're currently at around $9,000 towards our uh, end of giving campaign. I think we've, we've increased our monthly giving ba- maybe like by one or $2,000, uh, something like that, up to this point. If, if, if nothing more came in, and all we did as a church is actually pray and ask God to provide, because we believe this is our church, we're one family, God, we want your provision, we want your help, we're looking to you, we're worshiping you, we're remembering your faithfulness, even though we weren't there through certain seasons, that's our history, that's our legacy, that's our congregation, it's our church, and we're going to move forward with your spirit, your power. If we do that, man, happiest pastor on planet earth. So that's, and and I I believe that we're going to do that. And so I am going to be that. I'm going to be the happiest pastor in the city. And they're going to be like, why are you so happy? Like, because our people pray. They pray. They pray. And then lastly, I do, I do invite you to give and do so generously, but as the Lord leads. Play a part of it as he leads. But I want you to see that I'm not just sitting here going, what can you give? I'm going, first see this as your church, that you're all in. Like, this is our church. This is our history. We're part of this mission, this, this movement that what God is doing. I'm playing a part by praying. I'm being a pray apart by giving. I'm pray apart by continuing to labor forward in my sphere, in my domain, in my situation, my circumstance with the help of God. And we're going to turn the city upside down. The gates of hell don't know what, what's coming. Actually, they do, and they tremble. Do you know? Do you know the power of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God? If you're a Christian, you do. He saved you. The cross of Christ is proof that God's faithfulness is enduring. We're going to celebrate that, the partaking of communion. We're going to sing songs, and then we're going to get ready for Christmas next week. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for being faithful from generation to generation to generation to generation. May we see your faithfulness and rejoice. May we be so pumped and so happy to be labeled the king's kids. And therefore, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in this life, may we look upward towards you in worship with a posture and a heart that sees the God who rules and reigns and who is good and loves us and cares for us and your, your attention is towards us. And therefore, may we remember your mercy, your grace towards us from generation to generation and be strengthened and therefore labor forward with your help and your power and your might. May we see you do things that if you told us now would be done, we would not believe them. Move in our midst, provide for our needs, heal our hurts, restore our joys, mend our relationships, heal our wounds, and then bless our wombs so that those who want to have children, who are longing and are praying to have children, they would. They'd find out soon that they've conceived. May we celebrate new life from the womb and from salvation this year with great quantities, great joy, in such a way that we look back and go, our God reigns. We did nothing. You did everything. We pray. Amen.